no matter how you play it, there's somebody out there who thinks you're playing it wrong. So just keep playing it. And, ah, oh, yes, that is the infamous dice rolling intro. Welcome to episode 25, season 2 of Playing It Wrong, the podcast the live studio audience of two dogs. One who is laying there pouting, ignoring me, and the other one is giving me those big brown puppy eyes. So, where are we going to start this week? Let's start this week with some shout-outs. And I want to do a shout-out. I should do an anchor message, but I, I'll get around to it. Anyway, if you're listening... I'm doing a big shout out to Ivy the Happy Whisk. We're doing a big thing because this uh, the puppies got me reminded of it. Of yes, we're converting to home created puppy food because there's just too much bad stuff going on with regular food. So Google it, look up all the problems on your own, and then figure it out. But big thanks to Ivy for giving some good suggestions. All right, and what else do we have? Oh, we have more emails. Yes, Mark Walring of the the yawning, the yawning Albert. Excuse me, Mark. Sorry, I always mispronounce everything. I even mispronounce my own name sometimes. But hey, Mark sent in another email, and let me bring that up. Okay, Mark wrote in. Soon as I get the right window and tab open here. Ah, thank you to res- thank you for responding to my email in response to your question of how I go about making five E healing more OSR. I keep both short and long rests, but with a twist. In order to get the full benefit of healing during a rest, I give one of the healers give one healer's kit at the start of the game. This kit will have a max of five or ten, or you can do one d ten charges. <clears throat> Depending on the duration of the rest, they can use a charge of the kit to roll up to half their total hit points on a short rest, up to their total hit die on a long rest. Okay, I read that wrong. But you know what I mean. Um, that was me talking, not Mark talking. I'm really bad at reading stuff. Give me a break. Okay, if they have no healer's kits, the most they can do is roll one hit dice, regardless of the restoration. At early levels, not much of an issue, but becomes an item management at higher levels. Also, depending on the restoration, I do spell points or slots up to half restoration on a short rest and full or long rest to ease healing spell usage. Also have done away with the three saves stabilization, and now you roll a con save to bring yourself up from the negatives should you fall that low to stabilize at zero. <clears throat> For every failed save, you fall back one hit point, and once you were past your max con score in the negatives, you are dead. However, if you get a zero, however, however, if you get to zero, you get another chance your turn to roll for one H point for one HP only once in order to get up and do whatever. If you miss the roll, you stay at zero until someone comes to rescue. At least you're no longer bleeding out. Overall, that's how I do my healing during rest, recovery from death. As always, loving the cast. Keep the mugs full and keep the stories and rants coming. Mark. Okay, first of all, Mark, I'm very sorry of the way I bastardized and stumbled through your reading, but that's my problem, not yours. Good rules, good rules. I'm going to go back on something that I haven't done at the table yet. And I've suggested at the table, and everybody likes it, but we haven't done it yet. And Some folks liked it when I mentioned it in one of the early podcasts, and I don't know if you listened to that one. But the little tweak on 5e death saves that I thought of is you don't make death saves until somebody kicks over the body. So if they wait four rounds and you fail the first three, well, by the time they get there, you're dead. So I mean, it adds a little more excitement to it other, other than, oh, wait, 
of metagamey stuff of we do uh, we're, we all right well he's got two successes and one failure so he can wait another round to heal him while we keep finding the monster so there's no urgency there's no it's it's very bad it it keeps the metagamey out and adds a little more tension to the scene but i've suggested to the group i'm with they've liked it we just haven't implemented it and that was my thoughts on that i mean this lots of good hospitals for 5e it's uh, the basis it's a good system but there, you know, there's some stuff this old grognor's kind of got like eh, that's a little too modern we'll call it okay modern yeah all right anyway let's move on oh well first i'll say thank you again mark for writing in keep the messages coming in keep the emails all that good stuff all right, moving on. Session summary. There is no session summary because we did not game this week because our game night is Thursday and it was 4th of July. So I was at home scraping puppies off the ceiling after all the fireworks were going off. And the fireworks were going off till midnight, which I had to still drag my ass out of bed and go to work on Friday. Yay. But my weekend has been making puppy food, like I said earlier. So it's been a busy weekend and... I will let you know more next episode on the puppy food front, how things are going. So, they liked the first experiment last night, but then again, one of them likes cat poop. So, eh, where does it go? So, what do I want to talk about in this episode? Well, it's nothing to do with game mechanics, oddly enough, but it's still RPG related. I want to talk about actual plays. And I, I want to start this with a small disclaimer. Okay, a really big disclaimer. I know the people who do them work really hard to do them. They just don't throw shit together and put it on the internet, like I do. I throw shit together and put it on the internet. That's what this podcast is, me throwing shit together and putting it on the internet. Now, I know they work really hard, but and I understand a good actual play, be it a stream or a podcast, is very difficult to do. You've got to have the right players, you have the right GM, and you have to have that right chemistry there. With all that being said, I still got some problems. One of them, so many of them say, this is an actual polycat play of this game, and if I want to learn about this game, I want to listen to people playing about this game, playing this game, so I could learn more about the game, right? However, when you listen to the podcast, there is very little about the game. As a matter of fact, you don't even know they're playing a game, and they could be playing any game or any edition. It just wouldn't matter, and that's my biggest pet peeve with most actual plays of it may be entertaining, it may be fun to listen to, but it doesn't really highlight the game for someone. In my particular case, like I want to see how this game actually ends up being played and not really getting a feeling they're actually playing a game. Looking at you, Critical Role, that, I mean, they might as well not even be doing 5e. It's really long box tasks, but I've said that before, so I'll stop picking on Critical Role. Okay, well, besides, Critical Role is big and powerful, and what I freaking say about them, nobody gives a damn. And I'm not going to go picking on any particular podcast in particular. You can pick out whatever ones you want to. Me, I'm still searching for some cool ones. So I'm willing, hey, post, talk about it yourselves, talk amongst yourselves. Here's a good one, here's a bad one. Uh, just tell me the good ones. I don't want to waste my time reading what not to listen to which is much the way I do reviews on the blog. I'm not going to tell you what not to buy. I'm just going to tell you the stuff I like because there are plenty of people out there telling you not what not to buy and what not to do. But I digress. So in conclusion, yes, I will say this. You know, there's that old saying, you know, if you can't do better, don't say anything. I'm admitting I can't do better. But 
I know y'all out there can. <laughs> I know there's people out there who can and do. And maybe I'm just missing them. So, hey, spread the word if you know about a good actual play podcast or stream. Hey, helping a little creator probably. All right. So that's going to be it for my rant on this episode. That means we're moving on to the reading from the Little Brown Books. So where were we on the Little Brown Books? We were on... We're still on Volume 2, Monsters and Treasure. And with luck, we're going to finish up on Treasure today because we're on Wands and Staves. We've only got a couple pages left. So hey, what is the difference between a wand and a stave? Well, according to original D&D, wands are considered as being endowed with projectiles or rays of 6th level. Staves have 8th level effect. Assume wands have 100 charges, staves 200 charges. Of course, certain wands and staves would not be subject to the above, i.e. mail detection, enemy detection, secret doors and traps detection, healing, snake staff, staff of striking. So we're going to go through like the types of uh, wands and staves. We've got metal detection. You've got a metal detector. You're going to be like Nixon on the beach, checking for coins. Boom, 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 boom. Enemy detection. The thing that hits you actually will also detect invisible enemies. So that's a good thing. Uh, magic detection. Hey, did he just cast a spell? Okay, yeah, it's still magic. Secret doors and traps. Who needs a thief when you've got a wand to take his job? Illusion. Well, um, who... It fears up a spell slot. Maybe you've got a magic user. Fear. Okay, yeah. Comb shape. Woo, evil. Cold. Um, same as wand. Oh, wait, I hear, wait, 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 wait. I got... Rewind, rewind. I'm going to... Because I'm zipping through these and I really want to get this book done today for y'all, but we've got fear. The one affects all creatures within a cone-shaped area, emitting it six inches outwards at the base of three inches wide. All within a muscular saving throw, as against magic, or be panicked and flee. Now a wand of cold, listen to the description, an icy projection of the same dimensions as a fear wand. Creatures take half damage if their saving throw is made. So I don't know why they put the same dimensions as the fear wand, and paralyzation is the same dimensions as a fear wand. Fireballs. A wand which projects a fireball exactly like the spell of this name. Yeah, that's basically the way we've been always Same thing for lightning bolts. Yay. Polymorph. Of course, it's either others or self. Yay. Negation. By means of this wand, the effects of other wands and staves other than actually striking with a ladder are nullified. You really have to put things like that in there for rules lawyers. Of course, as staves are basically 8th level, the wand will negate only 3 quarters of a staff's effects. It can be employed against only one wand or staff at a time, and the one, and the one it is being used against must be stated. Staff of Healing. Yay! It heals. 1d6 plus 1, what can I say? Staff of Commanding. Combines animal, plant, control, and human control. Snake Staff. Yay! Plus one hitting, plus one damage. And uh, the staff can turn into a snake, a la Moses. Stack of striking. Um, double damage, basically. Staff of withering. And, well, um, but when hit, it scores one die of damage and age of the creature stuck by 10 years. This does not say it matures it, but rather it shortens the lifespan by 10 years. A man struck four times thus will be doddering, an animal dead of old age, and so on. If you're an elf, eh, it has no aging effect upon undead. And creatures with very long lifespans will also be harmed, hence the above-mentioned elf. 
for all those aging things in my games, I've always done it like as a percentage of how what percentage you're going towards your your dying of natural causes. But then again, if you're running a good adventure game, player characters should not grow old and die of natural causes. Staff of power. You get cold, fireball, lightning bolt, striking, continual light, and telekinesis. All of that wrapped in one. If he uses wishes, he may make a final strike with staff, breaking it and releasing all power with eight times the number of charges remaining. This power is distributed as hit points to all creatures within a three-inch radius. So either that is going to be pretty nasty. Um, staff of wizardry. It's like a staff of power, but more. Gives a plus one to hit. And has paralyzation, invisibility, wall of fire, pass wall, whirlwind, webs. Actually, it's whirlwind as a genie. Or elementals, roll four, roll four-sided die to determine how many and of which kind. And then webs. Wait, that's a little bit editing there. So I guess there's a wand of webs that, that that they're talking about, but they didn't say. Oh, I guess the wand of webs is also part of the step wizardry because I'm stupid and I can't read. Okay, next we're going on to miscellaneous magic. Yay! We're going to get through this. We're going to get through this on this episode, people, so we can start on the next book next time. Miscellaneous magic, crystal balls. Um, generally successful operation of the devices will be less likely over great distances when the subject is not exactly known when spells are used to prevent such operation, when lead interposes between the viewer and the subject, and so on. Only three attempts per day can be made under the above circumstances without driving the magic user mad. Long use of a crystal ball during any day requires the magic user rest and recuperate the next day. Spells cannot be sent through a crystal ball, but the operator may, for instance, put an infravision spell on himself and then look into the device to see in the dark... Medallion of ESP. Uh, everybody can use it. Even dwarves. I like that. Even dwarves get to use it. Um, the device malfunctions on a roll of a six. So whenever you use it, roll a six-sided dice to check it. Amulet versus crystal balls and ESP. This device prevents you from scrying. Scare protection from evil high priests. Scare of... <laughs> I screwed that up, I'm sorry, but Scarab of Protection from Evil High Priest. The small scarab acts as a charm which absorbs the finger of death up to a dozen times before it disintegrates. That's actually a very powerful item. Bag of Holding. Everybody knows what the Bag of Holding is. I'm not going to read that. Elemental Control Items. These four devices call up elementals indicated. Blah, 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 blah. So you got the Freedy Bottle, and that's the only one they have. And then we go on the Displacer Cloak. Uh, it's made from Displacer Beast Hide. It doesn't say that, but it is um, to be one inch away. 10% harder to hit, whether by spining or wand. Add plus two to defense and saving throws. So plus two AC and plus two to saving throws. So it's basically a plus two cloak. Um, Elven Cloak and Boots next to Invisible, while the boots allow for totally silent movement. Boots of speed. You can run. You can go as fast as a horsey. Boots of levitation. It's like the spell. Boots of traveling and leaping. These boots increase the endurance of the wearer, making him tireless as far as walking is concerned. Thus, speed is increased outdoors by one hex per day when walking. Blah, blah, blah. Broom of flying. You can fly at the speed of a dragon. You must know the word of command to make a function. Yep. Um, helm of reading magic and languages. Helm of telepathy. Helm of teleportation. Helm of Chaos Law, which is, you know, it reverses all I meant. Yeah. 
Flying carpet. I've seen Aladdin. I know what that is. Drums of panic. The beating of these kettle drums. They're kettle drums, no, kettle drums. Will cause men and fantastic creatures who fail to make their morale throw to flee and rout. For morale throw, use saving throw versus magic. Animals with fewer than five hit dice will automatically flee as those non-carnivorous animals with more than that number. Didn't say how much more, but it says more. They may be struck when moving provided they are mounted upon some form of carriage or steed. They will not affect the area immediately around them, a one-inch radius. Horn of blasting, a horn whose sounding effects of a double bombard. See, chainmail. I hate that. Gauntlets of ogre power. These gauntlets give the wearer the ability to strike as an ogre and generally give the hands and arms the strength of an ogre. They do not, they do not increase hit probability, however. More. Mirror of life dropping. Oh, I skipped the girdle of giant strength. It gives you the strength of a hill giant. If greater than the wearers. And there's no frost. The original one is just hill giant. <coughs> now under the mirror of life trapping. A mirror about the size of a buckler which traps the life force of any human, including elves, dwarves, and gnomes. Who looks into it? The person is so trapped there remains within the mirror until released by being called forth by the magic user possessing the mirror or by breaking the mirror. The corporeal body of the trapped person dis disappears slash appears upon trapping release. Undead can't be trapped. Trapped persons are held in a separate areas of the mirror. They can be conversed with without releasing them. Undead are powerless within the mirror. Oh, undead can be trapped. I can't read that right. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. This is going really bad. Um, uh, if open, if it is openly displayed, there's a 90% chance an unsuspected creature will look full within and be trapped. There is only a 10% chance of knowing of annoying person will be unable to avoid looking into it. The magic user cannot do anything else while operating the mirror, but the mirror can be set up to operate un, un operate untended, well, unattended, such as on a wall. Right, it's about 10 feet. And then we go on to magic item saving throws. Uh, item is 10, I mean, it's, it's saving throw, and then that's it. Um, artifacts, although not otherwise mentioned, there can be included various powerful items of law and chaos termed artifacts. These are super powerful in comparison to the listed magic and must be handled by the referee. Examples of artifacts. Teleportation machine. Fighter's crown. Orb and scepter. Magic user's crown. Orb and scepter. Cleric's crown. Orb and scepter. Stone crystal crystallization projector, etc. If such items are included, very harmful flex should be incurred by any neutral or oppositely aligned character who touches one. For example, instant death, paralysis until freed, immediate loss of six levels, immediate loss of four levels, insanity for one month, take ten dice of damage. If saving throws, if saving throws are allowed, they should be very limited and require a very high score. Treasure, precious metal. We finally get here's the exchange rate: one gold piece equals ten silver pieces, and ten silver pieces equals five copper pieces. I don't know. I keep doing the 10-10 thing because it's easy. The, 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 uh, you know, the decimal thing. If Electrum is added, it is optionally worth either twice or half the value of gold. Platinum is five times more valuable than gold. I decided to add it to the precious metals list. So, Electrum is an option, but where, how much it's worth depends on your world. And next we have Gems. 
base values from 10 to 1,000. Roll a six-sided die for every gem. One indicates a gem is of the next higher category. Categories, higher categories are 5,000, 10,000, blah, blah, blah. Jewelry, various sizes. Metal is melted into... And, and, and the final, the final, the final, the final sentence in Volume 2, Monsters and Treasures, is this. Metal is melted to solid lumps by fire or lightning. Fire will not destroy gems, optionally 10% chance of destruction, but lightning will. Both will devalue jewelry by 25%. So be careful with those lightning bolts and fire bolts. Fireballs and lightning bolts. Sorry about that. They will ruin your treasure. So take it out of the magic user share. Anyway, with that, I am wrapping up this episode. It has gone over time. I would like to thank you for listening. Go ahead, check out the blog at theymightbegazebos.blog. That's theymightbegazebos.blog. And it's the letter B, not B-E. Find us at Facebook at They Might Be Gazebos. Drop us an email at magicpigmedia at gmail.com. And with that, thanks for listening. Roll, mon- roll monsters. I'm, I'm screwing everything up today. Roll dice, kill monsters, take their stuff, and have fun. This is why I don't do ads, because I would screw up the ad and spend a day trying to record a damn ad. So, thanks for listening.